What's good, everybody? It's your boy, Big L. And you're listening to another broadcast of The Forum. Today, I am going to begin a book study. Uh, it's almost like a topical study, but it's going to be several books studied and discussed and, um, you know, walked through on a very particular topic, man, a specific topic, and that is black liberation theology. And I am going to begin with Dr. James H. Cone, who I think it's more than adequate to state that he was the founder, father of black liberation theology. Now, of course, there are others who have practiced black liberation theology, but black, the black liberation theology would not be uh, what it is currently without the input and the foundational structure applied through Dr. James H. Combs. Brilliant, brilliant work. Uh, what an amazing man Dr. Combs was. What a humble, humble servant Dr. James Cone was. Dr. James Cone passed uh, earlier this year and I want to give some background on Dr. Cone and throughout the book study man there's going to be several times where I'm going to stop and discuss certain aspects of Dr. Cone background and things along those lines but I want to keep it as topical as possible man I want it to be about Black Liberation Theology. I want it to be about the book that we're currently reading on that particular topic. It's crucial, I believe, for black Christians to begin to evaluate, reevaluate their current uh, denominational ilk, their current Christian worldview. Uh, and I'm going to give a background of my own worldview here shortly, man, and where I've been in the faith, uh, where I'm not in the faith, and where I ain't going in the faith. Um, but I want to keep all of these book studies, man, between no more than uh, 20 to 30 minutes max. And it's going to be a bunch. It's going to be a bunch. I'm going to be hitting them, man. And this is just as much for you the listeners, man, as it is for your boy, uh, because I want to get a stronger, deeper theological grasp on this topic. But I want to read the memorial uh, that they place on Union Theological Seminary, where Dr. Cohn was tenured at, to give a background on who Dr. Cohn uh, was. And it doesn't it's excellent, well written, but it does not 
gives the the full picture of the man. But let me share that with y'all, man. Dr. James H. Cone, 79, founder of Black Liberation Theology, dies. Reverend Dr. James Cone, renowned founder of Black Liberation Theology, award-winning author, Bill and Judith Moyers, distinguished professor of systematic theology at Union Theological Seminary in the city of New York, died today. He was 79. In so many ways, ways, James Cone has been Union Theological Seminary for the past 50 years, said Union President Serene Jones. To say his death leaves a void is a staggering understatement. His prophetic voice, deep kindness, and fierce commitment to black liberation embodied not just the very best of our seminary, but of the theological field as a whole and an American prophetic thought and action. Kuhn is best known as the father of black liberation theology in his groundbreaking works, Black Theology and Black Power, published in 1969, A Black Theology of Liberation in 1970, and God of the Oppressed, 1975. Kuhn upended the theological establishment with his vigorous articulation of God's radical identification with black people in the United States. His eloquent portrayal of Christ's blackness shattered dominant white theological paradigms and ignited a wave of subsequent American liberation theology. Cone's legacy goes beyond his writings and extends to the opportunities it provided for others to find their own theological voice. He didn't want disciples. He wanted those who would bring new perspectives to understanding and doing God's work of justice in the world. The birth of womanist theology at Union was courageously brought forth in some measure due to the spaces opened up by Jim Cone, said the very Rev. Kelly Brown Douglas, Dean of the Episcopal Divinity School at Union. Though his published works and in the classroom, Cone shaped generations of scholars, professors, pastors, activists, kindling in countless people the fire for dismantling white supremacy. Yeah, he did that. Upon news of his passing, Professor Cornell West remarked about his colleague and friend, James Cone was a the theological giant and genius in our midst. He was the greatest liberation theologian to emerge in the American empire, and he never sold out. We'll skip down a little bit because I want to give a little background of who he was. Born in Fort Dice, Arkansas, Cone did his undergraduate study at Shorter College and at Philander Smith College in 1958 in Little Rock. He graduated from Garrett Theological Seminary with a Bachelor's of Divinity degree in 1961 and received his Master's from Northwestern University in 1963. Two years later, the PhD was conferred on him by Northwestern. Cone joined Union's faculty in 1969 and was promoted to full professor of theology in 1973. He was named the Bill and Judith Moyers Distinguished Professor of Systematic Theology in 1971. At Union, he researched and taught Christian theology with special attention to black liberation theology 
and liberation theologies of Africa, Asia, and Latin America. He also taught 19th and 20th century European American theologies. He was an amazing man. When people die, we're all going to die. When celebrities tend to die, there tends to be a, uh, you see a ripple effect take place, usually on social media with people going in, you know, sharing their insights and showing how much it has impacted them. When Dr. Cohn passed, I must admit he was the first celebrity in a long time. And not to put him in the celebrity category, that's not what I'm saying, that he was some sort of celebrity, but a famous person uh, that died and that really had a, it stung. It hurt, man. All right. The book that I've chose to begin our study in Black Liberation Theology is Black Theology and Black Power by Dr. James Cone. Uh, let me read the back. Newly updated and expanded, this classic work is a product of the civil rights and black power movements in America during the 1960s. Black Theology and Black Power is James Cone's initial attempt to identify liberation at the heart of the Christian gospel and blackness as the primary mode of God's presence. As he explains in the introduction written for his edition, I wanted to speak on behalf of the voiceless black masses in the name of Jesus whose gospel, I believe, had been greatly distorted by the preaching and theology of white churches. Man, let me tell you, when I first began reading this book, I sought this book out. I sought black liberation theology at, out because I was at a crucial spot in my faith, in my life, that I was struggling with the whitewashed, European, westernized, white evangelical Christianity. I was tired of everything being so dominantly white focus that I was hungry for a, 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 a black presence within the faith a black voice that spoke to black folk in the faith desperate for that so, so desperate for it. So I came across Dr. Cohn, and man, I just jumped right in. Began to devour everything I could get my hands on. And black theolo theology and black power was the first thing, man. So let's dive in. Let's dive right in. All right. 
Preface to the 1989 Edition. Black theology and black power was a product of the civil rights and black power movements in America during the 1960s, reflecting both their strengths and weaknesses. As an example of their strengths, this book was my initial attempt to identify liberation as the heart of the Christian gospel and blackness as the primary mode of God's presence. I wanted to speak on behalf of the voiceless black masses in the name of Jesus, whose gospel I believed had been greatly distorted by the preaching and theology of white churches. <laughs> Any Christian with a fundamental understanding of the faith understands that liberation is at the heart of what Jesus did. They understand that his life, death, and resurrection was, is, and will be about liberation. Now, there's many within the Christian faith, man, and this is who will tell you that the liberation that we're seeking is liberation from sin and sin only. Well, Dr. Cohn expands on that, man. He, he digs deeper into that and pulls out that, no, it's not just liberation from sin. It's liberation from any form of oppression. Any form of oppression. And in his work, his desire was to show how black presence was in the gospel, black presence has been in the Christian faith, and how white churches in their preaching, teaching, and practice had distorted the Christian faith. Let me continue. Although Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and other civil rights activists did much to rescue the gospel from the heresy, of white churches by demonstrating its life-giving power in the black freedom movement they did not liberate Christianity from its cultural bondage to white Euro-American values unfortunately even African-American churches had deviated from their own liberating heritage through an uncritical imitation of white denominations from which they separated Thus, it was hard to distinguish between the theologies of white and black churches and the images of God and Jesus they used to express them. And we're going to see throughout his work that he breaks down and he unpacks how not only the theologies that are, are different between white churches and black churches, but how the images, of course, of God and Jesus have been expressed, distorted, and used to manipulate and, and uh, propagandize black minds. Okay? Here's a piece right here. Still in the preface. We're, we're taking our time through this text, man. And I'm going to walk through it, and I'm going to read a section. I'm going to unpack a section. Uh, I just think that's necessary and the best way to do it. It was challenging. It was the challenging and angry voice of Malcolm X, 
that shook me out of my theological complacency. Christianity is the white man's religion, he wrote proclaimed again and again as he urged African Americans to adopt a perspective on God that has derived from their own cultural history, he argued. Brothers and sisters, the white man has brainwashed us black people to fasten our gaze upon the blonde-haired, blue-eyed Jesus. We're worshiping a Jesus that doesn't even look like us. Oh yes, now just think of this. The blonde-haired, blue-eyed white man has taught you and me to worship a white Jesus and to shout and sing and pray to this God that's his God, the white man's God. The white man has taught us to shout and sing until we die, to wait until death for some dreamy heaven in the hereafter when we're dead, while this white man has his milk and honey in the streets paved with golden dollars here on his earth. Sipping some coffee, man. And this, that quote, that speech that Malcolm X gave is so rich and full of information, man, and truth, because so many of my fellow black Christians still hold a pie in the sky waiting to get heaven by and by type of mentality. And it's, it, I think it's accurate to say that white evangelical Euro-American Christianity has created a docile black man in so many different ways. Let me continue. Since I was like many African-American ministers, a devout follower of Martin, Martin King, I tried initially to ignore Malcolm's conjured cultural critique of the Christianity as it was taught and practiced in black and white churches. I did not want him to disturb the theological uncertainties that I had learned in graduate school. But with the urban unrest in cities and the rise of the black power during the James Meredith March in Mississippi, June 1966, I could no longer ignore Malcolm's devastating criticism of Christianity particularly as they were being expressed in, in, in the articulate and passionate voices of Stokely Carmichael, Ron Cariaga, the Black Panthers, and other young African-American artists. For me, the burning theological question was, how can I reconcile Christianity and black power, Martin Luther King Jr.'s idea of nonviolence, and Malcolm X by any means necessary philosophy? The writing of black theology and black power was the beginning of my search for resolution in that dilemma. And I think that right there is where so many black Christians currently reside. They currently are in that place. How can I reconcile Christianity and what I'm seeing taking place across the world, particularly in America? the oppression and all of the things that black people specifically and exclusively are facing. How am I able to reconcile what Christianity teaches and what me and my people are experiencing? And that's a position that I think many black Christians currently find themselves in, man. Trying to figure that out. 
And I think that's because black churches, I do not believe, are equipped. And that's a generalized statement. And I'm sure there's some that may be practicing this. Okay, take it for what it is. But for the most part, black Christian, black churches are not teaching how black folks can be liberated through the Christian faith against other quote-unquote Christians. So you have a ton of black Christians who are scrambling around trying to figure out how to reconcile their faith in Jesus Christ and what is taking place with black people here in America. So where Dr. Cohen is, is, is at right here in 1966 is a place that many of y'all at right now in 2018. In that same spot, searching, trying to figure it out. And because black churches are not equipped, are not putting forth the effort to address these things, many would rather do the kumbaya kumbaya, all, you know, let's forgive, all that type of stuff, instead of fighting for liberation. All of these black Christians who are searching in this confused, quote-unquote, sunken place, no, not sunken place, that don't fit here, but in this state of confusion, looking and searching for answers, they're out in the wilderness, man, just scrambling around. So hopefully the breakdown of this text and subsequent discussions, I pray, will help people find a place where they can begin to exercise their faith and live a liberating gospel. Let me continue. Considered within the socio-political context of the 60s, I still believe that my answer was correct, Christianity is black power. Hmm. I can dig that. Since theology is human speech and not God speaking, I recognize today, as I did then, that all attempts to speak about the ultimate reality are eliminated by the social history of the speaker. Thus, I would not use the, exactly the same language today to speak about God that I used 20 years ago. That makes sense. So as we read this text that was written in the 60s, some of the language won't fit today. Hence why I'm here. Times have changed and the current situation demands a language appropriate for the problems we face now. But insofar as racism is still found in the churches and in society, theologians and preachers of the Christian gospel must make it unquestionably clear that the God of Moses and of Jesus makes an unqualified solidarity with the victims, empowering them to fight injustice. I'm going to read that again, because I think that's, that's the, 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 the thesis. That's the, the thesis of what black liberation theology is. As racism is still found in churches and in society, theologians and preachers of the Christian gospel must make it unquestionably clear that the God of Moses and of Jesus makes an unqualified solidarity 
with the victims, empowering them to fight against injustice. Let me continue. As in 1969, I unfortunately still see today that white and black churches alike have lost their way, enslaved to their own bureaucracies, with the clergy and staff attending endless meetings and professional theologians reading learning papers to each other, seemingly for the exclusive purpose of advancing their professional careers. <laughs> In view of the silence of the great majority of white theologians, when faced with the realities of slavery and segregation, the white church's preoccupation with academic issues and theology and the avoidance of the issue of justice, especially in the area of race, do not surprise me. What does surprise and sadden me, however, is a, sudden, a similar situation among many African-American churches and their theologians, especially those who claim to speak and act in the name of black theology of liberation. <laughs> and this is 1969, family. This is 1969. It's 2018. It's 28. And this same thing is still taking place today. Still happening today. Still taking place today. The great majority of white theologians, when faced with realities of Police brutality, faced with the realities of mass incarceration, placed with the, the, the realities of the racial wealth gap, the white church's preoccupation with academic issues in theology, and their avoidance of the issues of justice, especially in the area of race, do not surprise me. And it should not surprise you, the listener. It shouldn't surprise you. At this point in time, with history and data on our side, there should be a level of expectation. A level of expectation that our issues will be ignored. And it shouldn't surprise you, but sadden you. The black churches and their theologians. <laughs> for another couple of minutes, man. I don't want to go longer than the 30-minute the mark, okay? Uh, but the stuff is so powerful, man. So powerful. Okay. Back to the text. In view of Sojourner Truth and Fannie Lou Hamer, Martin King, and Malcolm X, and the tradition of resistance that they and others like them embody, African-American ministers and theologians should know better than lose themselves in their own professional advancement. As their people, here we go, especially the youth, are being destroyed by drugs, street gangs, AIDS. More black youth are in jails and prisons than in colleges and universities. 
Our community is under siege. Something must be done before it's too late. If there is to be any genuine future for the black church and black theology, we African-American theologians and preachers must develop the courage to speak truth about ourselves. Saying to each other and to our church leaders, what we have often said and still say to whites, enough is enough. It is time for this mess to stop. Hopefully, the reissuing of black theology and black power will contribute to the development of creative self-criticism in both black and white churches. And Dr. Cohn, it is contributing to the development of creative self-criticism. That's exactly what we're doing today, brother. That's exactly what we're going to be doing throughout this book study. That's what we're going to be doing today throughout the topical studies uh, of your text. That's what we're doing. That's exactly what we're doing. This is just a preface, man. Just a preface. Just a preface. Today, family, we began book study, walkthrough, topical study of black liberation theology, looking first at Dr. James H. Cohn's brilliant work black theology and black power it's your boy big l man thank you for joining me on this episode of the forum book study black theology and black power may god bless and keep you till next time fam i'm out